Inspired by a podcast brought to you by Six. Hello, I'm Hannah Wise, and this is Inspired by. In this podcast series, I invite experts from Six and other representatives from the Financial Centre to talk about their inspirations. In this edition, we have two worlds colliding, art and science. We're bringing you one of the world's most famous photographers, Ansel Adams. He's not my uh, guest today, but it's how he inspired my guest today, Adrian Perig, a computer science professor who wants nothing less than to reinvent the internet. Adrian, it's great to have you with us. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for the opportunity. So reinventing the internet, that's quite an ambition. Well, it was much, much less than that initially. <laughs> we had uh, very little ambition, right? We didn't get up and said, well, how can we reinvent the internet? But we really just tried to see how secure a global network could be. So your work is all about um, making the internet more secure. And I guess that's a huge topic right now. But um, we'll get into your innovations in this field in just a moment. But I think we really need to back up and meet your inspiration today. Um, I mentioned him earlier as photographer Ansel Adams, and he's an American landscape photographer and an environmentalist, actually, known for his black and white images of the American West. But he also developed this amazing way of developing pictures so that the clarity in, in the finished product is just incredible. And I understand that this is part of why he inspired you so much, Adrian. Right, right. Um, I was uh, in my uh, youth, I was uh, enjoyed photography very much. And so mm -hmm. looked around and uh, discovered Ansel Adams and discovered his book and um, read uh, many of his books and his techniques um, that really helped me tremendously in my own photography and doing things the way Ansel Adams suggested and the results definitely are <laughs> were much better. <laughs> and, and did he inspire you to get into photography or were you already into photography when you discovered him? Yeah, I enjoyed photography and um, was looking around <laughs> to find ways to improve uh, the whole process of taking photos, but also developing photos, developing the film, getting into his world, how he operated was tremendously inspiring. And what, what specifically? Photography is um, a big subject. Uh, many people have uh, been, you know, professional photographers have trying to develop systems, how to take photos. Mm -hmm. But really Ansel Adams, I think, was um, a very important person to bring together the art and the science and really develop the science and also uh, through these developments, also bringing them to the broader public by writing books and he was also a teacher and then through his uh, stunning uh, photos then really spreading uh, spreading both the technology and the art and, and you actually studied photography almost professionally why didn't you what stopped you and, and what made you kind of jump in the, almost the complete opposite direction into computer science well, computer science also is an art uh, in itself as well. But <laughs> Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I really enjoyed photography a lot and I was contemplating becoming a professional photographer. I already looked at which schools I could go to and, uh, and so on. But at some point it struck me that uh, I can either be a um, poor photographer with computer science as a hobby or I can be 
a bit less poor computer scientists with photography as a hobby. <laughs> so then I uh, went to EPFL, um, to the ETH in Lausanne, uh, to study computer science instead of uh, going to a photography school. And so what about his clarity and innovation is what I was saying, you know, because you've, you you were telling me actually um, in our call before this podcast that you've been to some of the places that he photographed and actually it's almost better in photograph than it is in real life. And and I wonder about, you know, the the skills that he had there, the innovation that he had there. Um, and, and the clarity that he managed to kind of draw out of every picture. How do you take that into your everyday work? Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, to answer Adams a bit, um, just seeing his books and his technology that you can also learn and apply yourself, you already see an improvement, of course, of your own results. And that was uh, one first step. Uh, a second step is then seeing his amazing artwork. Um, when you see his, his photographs, it's just absolutely stunning. And then the third step is when you go to the same places he went to and he was at, and you recognize, of course, the places and you're trying to take the same photograph. You're then, you know, it's just absolutely another level of amazement mm. to see how he transformed the reality in, into a photograph. And that was, was really incredible. And so just the the whole person and, and, and this whole striving for for excellence and taking an area that is well understood where people thought it was well understood and really developing a system um, trying to see how far can we get this was just right, tremendously inspiring and also helped me in whatever I was doing trying to seek always to see how can you make this better is there a system behind that I could follow is right and that and I and I guess that's what you found then through your work on the internet and and this idea that you want to reinvent the internet. I mean, maybe I should just start by asking you what what's wrong with the internet right now? Well, there were a lot of things wrong already in the 90s when I started uh, working on the internet and became exposed to some of these issues. Um, already back then, there were uh, scalability challenges, there were convergence challenges in the sense that um, the internet back then had uh, issues where the routing protocol would keep uh, changing the paths and not converging fast enough. So for instance, if there was an outage, it would take very long to for the network to recover and to provide full connectivity again. And there are also, for instance, a, a famous issue is the AS707 incident where one um, malfunctioning router almost took down uh, the whole internet with it <laughs> in the whole world. Oh my gosh. Right. So when these kind of issues occur and, and this event was actually non-malicious, right? It was really a malfunctioning of equipment. Uh, you look at this and say, well, you know, it's not just back in at the very beginning of the, the Internet that outages happen. I mean, we had a major outage that probably most people were impacted by um, very recently with Facebook. Mm -hmm. Right. Or you hear incidents like somebody's uh, misconfiguring a router in Australia. And here in Europe, we have ATMs that stop functioning. Mm -hmm something's got to be wrong here, but it's, it's the case, right? And so you keep hearing 
about these these outages, uh, these events. And art in the 90s, I tried to fix some of these things and went to talk to people at conferences. Uh, back then, I was a beginning PhD student. And I was looking at things and thought, okay, maybe I could fix this. And I would go to the uh, famous people back then and who were the experts and ask them, you know, there's this problem with BGP. BGP being? The Border Gateway Protocol, which is the uh, main uh, routing protocol used in today's internet. Okay. And they, they would say, oh, don't worry about it. You know, we have it under control. We'll just make, uh, you know, we're already working on it. We'll make a change. And in three years, this problem will never come back. And over the years, always, you know, the same problems occurred and always the same set of people would always say in three years, this problem will be solved. And here we are, what, nearly 30 years right. down, down the road. And, and it's still an issue. Right. And again, people still say in three years. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but we don't have to wait in three years because you have a solution. What right. is that? Right. So we've been in 2009, um, we started working on this project where we said, let's try to see how secure a global internet could be. And for the first year, we almost didn't make any progress. We just kept writing down problems and properties we wanted to achieve, accomplish. And then after a year, we had a breakthrough idea and suddenly we literally solved all the issues and all the goals that we wanted to accomplish, all the problems we wanted to solve. It was actually pretty amazing because we were thinking or at some point I was thinking, well, if we can only do half, if we can only solve half the problems or a third of it, it would already be great. But with the basic idea that we had, suddenly the, the, all the problems we wrote down became non-issues and all these goals, suddenly we, we found ways how to accomplish them. So it's quite a revelation and so it's actually quite an exciting moment. So hang on, how, how come then, even now, we're still facing these kind of outages? Right. So back then, it of course took a while to uh, develop these things. So we wrote our first paper then in 2010 and submitted it to a conference. And it got published in 2011 uh, at that conference. And it took a while, you know, from the paper to the actual system. It again took quite some time to implement it, to try it out, work out many of the details. Uh, and that actually, until recently, we still extended the system and we just finished um, a major additional milestone where we completed the new version of the Scion book, which is uh, our system we call Scion. Um, which is an acronym or is just a name? Scion <laughs> is both, right? Because of the meaning of the word, it means the heir, heir to the throne. Or nice, the... I like it. <laughs> so this or... could be kind of like you know, internet 2.0. Right, or the son of the king. And so we thought, well, the internet is the king. So it's kind of good to be the next uh, the next in line. And so that's why we picked it up. But we then made the acronym work out and it stands for Scalability, Control and Isolation on Next Generation Networks. So maybe could you just kind of explain what the solution is, though, in, in layman's terms and how it makes the internet more secure? So today's uh, system that is being used is this BGP, this Border Gateway Protocol. Um, 
in a way it um, determines how packets are routed through the internet, how packets traverse the network from a source to destination. Mm -hmm. And so everyone today is using this. If you use the internet, you rely on BGP. And this BGP system um, is the one with issues. And so we replace this with a system that works quite differently. Um, so what BGP is doing, uh, if you imagine a road network, uh, BGP sets the, um, uh, the waypoints and uh, essentially labels the waypoints. So if you want to go uh, to say Bern, you go this way. If you want to go to Basel, you go that way. If you want to go to St. Gallen, you go this other way. The packets that you send, um, if you open a web page, your browser actually sends out a packet that then goes to the web server. And so the packet is routed from point to point, looking at each point, looking at these, these waypoints, trying to see what is now the best way to go towards the destination. And the difference in Scion is that the network figures out path segments, and then the end host combines these path segments into an end-to-end -end path and then sends the packet along this path. So in a way, in Scion, there are no more waypoints, but when the packet leaves the sender, it already knows how, it is, how it's going to traverse the network because it has this path information embedded in it. Right. So, so it's like an upgraded way of the information to travel. Right, exactly. So an analogy would be uh, ships uh, in the early days used a compass to navigate. And Cyan is more like a GPS system where you always know at each point exactly where you are and you can map in advance exactly how you're going to traverse the network. Okay, so going back to what you were saying, so you wrote your paper and it took a long time for kind of, if it, well, it took a year for it to be published in 2011, I think you said. And then, you know, there was there was kind of interest, but it was kind of gradual. Where are you now? Who are you working with? Is this actually being used in reality? Around 2015, we had a first a system that we actually deployed on real networks. And uh, we went to different Swiss ISPs, actually Switch and Swisscom, and asked them to, if they allow us to set up nodes in their network, that uh, would run the Scion uh, protocol, and they allowed us to do that. And so we actually placed uh, those those routers in their networks, and we're thus building up the the first uh, very early Scion network. And we kept improving the system, of course. And in 2017. Um, this is, I guess, well known today, the, the Swiss National Bank then decided to try Cyan out and uh, run a service um, over the network back then that was um, then, of course, improved and run increasingly by the ISPs themselves and started testing Cyan uh, in 2017. And I guess the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> And there's also six that's using Scion technology for the secure Swiss finance network, which runs parallel to the existing connection. Mm -hmm. Actually, let me talk a little bit more about this whole evolution, uh, because six was um, very early uh, deployer of this technology. Actually, we, of course, talked to many entities and tried to convince them for using Scion. And I still remember 
the meeting uh, with six engineers. Uh, our deployment really relied on such visionary people. They immediately saw these benefits that with Scion, you could have multiple paths and use them simultaneously. And if there's an outage within milliseconds, switch to another path and pretty much instantaneously start using these alternative paths. And is it a coincidence then that, you know, you had the likes of the SNB and you had the likes of six kind of really there at the very beginning, you know, finance obviously has to be incredibly secure. I guess it's no coincidence then that, you know, this has been the, the area where you've kind of uh, tested and proved yourselves. Right, exactly. That's, um, we always, um, developed and worked on Scion from a security perspective and tried to make every aspect of Scion highly secure. And uh, most of the community, they care about security, but apparently didn't quite care enough to really try it out. But the banking and finance industry really cares very much about security. And so it was really wonderful to work with them and work with the finance industry to then deploy these, deploy these systems. And where do you see it developing in the future? Scion is not just um, highly secure, but it's actually even more efficient than today's internet. And so it can, uh, one can optimize uh, for different metrics. So for instance, you can optimize latency or bandwidth or loss rates or even for CO2. So it can have a, like a sustainable impact. Right, exactly. You can do green routing. I like that you have an environmental with, um, aspect to, to your work, just like uh, Ansel Adams, uh, which and that allows me to kind of talk about him again, because I, I wanted to ask if you could meet him, what would you ask him? Yeah, maybe I'd ask him about photography today, how he would look at the, the whole digital photography and the digital world, the impact of digital photography also with, with the art, how... Oh, he would see that that would definitely be uh, very interesting. I wonder if he'd use a, a smartphone or if that would go against everything <laughs> that he believed in. <laughs> right. All right, Adrian Perig, thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you very much as well for joining us for this episode of The Six Podcast. And until next time, stay inspired. And you can hear more about inspiring leaders by downloading the six podcast series available wherever you get your podcasts.